Hi, everybody. Welcome uh, back to the Reaching the Summit podcast. A week off, and we're back again. Greg and Zach, glad to be back with you guys. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. Absolutely. Exactly. Hope you guys all had a Merry Christmas and enjoy a great New Year. And uh, got some games before we head into the New Year. Yes, and and so we were just talking about the weather as uh, as we hit record here. And so the weather did play a factor in the Summit League. Uh, canceled. What was it? Only St. Thomas that played both games. Yep. St. Thomas and North Dakota State. Yeah, they're the only two yeah. that played both games. And then Denver was able to sneak out and play Oregon State, but that's about it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There wasn't nearly the weather out in Corvallis as there was mm-hmm. <laughs> everywhere else. So. And there was um, a check out there too. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Heck, they almost <laughs> pulled that one off. I think. Yeah. The uh, so let's. I think St. Thomas is a good place to start. Two and zero in league play. Uh, I've been probably the slowest to come on the St. Thomas train. You guys have been uh, riding that train a little longer than me, but it's hard to argue with the facts in front of us. What did you guys think of St. Thomas sweeping at home? I thought I thought it was impressive, and uh, and to do it without one of their most heralded freshmen who's playing really well in Rowie. Um, yeah. I, I think they, uh, I, I guess I've said, put it this way, I will go back. I didn't pick them to finish high in the Summit League this year, but everybody, my my picks are wide open to criticism for everybody. I have no problem with that. I'll expect that. But uh, to get a sweep at home to open the season up um, against North Dakota State and then North Dakota, or North Dakota and then North Dakota State, excuse me, it's impressive. And I, it goes back to, I think they just, uh, they've got an experienced group. And uh, they 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 played well in in both games. They were kind of, I, I thought UND played them probably tougher throughout the course of 40 minutes, and then uh, St. Thomas pulled away late. But then just their, I, I don't want to say domination, but they were in control the majority of the game against North Dakota State. So I just, uh, it's impressive. Uh, they've they've got some uh, talented kids. They've got some smart kids. They've got some. Uh, experienced kids, and I think uh, Johnny Tower does a heck of a job coaching them up. I mean, it's their level of efficiency and just how proficient they are on running things on offense. Um, everybody's so concerned about them shooting threes, and you know, rightfully so, probably with Riley Miller, but they don't they don't really beat you from three point. I mean, they beat you by shooting fifty plus percent from the field. And we talked about that last episode where I was just like, I don't know, like, well, like, what is this? Is this, are they just hyper efficient? Are we going to see a regression towards, you know, 43, 45%? Cause that can make a big difference for them. And they come out against UND and NDSU and shoot over 50% both games. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's almost like teams are almost kind of overcorrecting towards the three. There's definitely other teams in this conference that rely more on the three than they do. Like obviously Oral Roberts is one of them. Um, you know, I know UND really tried to take away the three-point line. Uh, Riley Miller hit five in the first half, including a buzzer beater at the end of the first half to, to keep them in the game, really, quite frankly. Um, they were able to kind of shoot their way through some poor rebounding and um, poor shooting, really, in the first half. And they kept it alive, and then they, they sort of figured things out in the second half uh, against UND. And, you know, it, it was interesting because UND, they – I think like a lot of teams, they understood what they needed to do against St. Thomas and they did it fairly well. Actually, they out rebounded St. Thomas by 16. I want to know what the winning percentage is of teams that out rebound their opponents by 16. It's got to be just overwhelming. Um, But then you kind of go back to the efficiency stats, right? UND six assists versus 14 turnovers, St. Thomas 14 assists versus five turnovers, you know, little things like that. And the other thing that I'm really starting to, appreciate about St. Thomas is they just don't foul. They don't, they don't bail you out as much on defense as you'd think, you know, they're not, I'm not going to say that they're a great defensive team, but they're solid and they don't foul. And the more basketball I watch, the more I just really appreciate that later. They don't make you, they don't bail you out. They make you hit shots over the top of them. And, you know, you're going to hit some of them. And sometimes you have a six, five kid guarding Grant Nelson, and he's going to make a couple of those and, and that's okay. But, are you really going to be able to hit enough of those to beat you? And then they, they kind of bank on that saying, 
I think you're going to shoot a less percentage just shooting over the top of us and not making any free throws than we're going to make running our good offense because we're going to shoot 50% from the field. I don't think you can shoot better at 50% when you're just shooting over the top of us, you know, and, and it works really well. Um, Parker Bjorkman, both games. Uh, go ahead, Todd. No, no this is actually great. Zach, I, I, I'll let you get back to Bjorkman. I will steal, steal your thunder before you do get back to him. But you bring up a great point. People do not appreciate, and, and I have talked at great length about how, and, and I, you, you've addressed it today too, how efficient St. Thomas is offensively. offensively. They make ball movement, player movement, and great spacing, including ball reversal, look natural and comfortable on the offensive end. But on the defensive end, when you can foul or when you can defend without fouling, people people do not value that enough. Mm-hmm. If you're forcing your opponent to shoot contested shots, and I don't care, as you mentioned, it might be a 6'11 Grant Nelson over a 6'5 defender. But if you're still defending, you have your hands high, you're walling up, you're not dropping down, you're not trying to block shots, eventually the, the, it's going to turn in your favor. You're going to, if you continue, conti- continuously force contested shots, the shooting percentage will drop. That is a, that's, that's an underappreciated part of St. Thomas's game. So you addressed it. I just wanted to echo that. And yeah. uh, I'll let you get back to Parker Bjorklund because there's a reason he was player of the week in the Summit League. Yeah, I mean, the, the formula of not falling on defense shooting 50% from the line and, and uh, it just kind of doing everything that they're doing. It's just, it's such a good formula. It just works. It, it's something that they can do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if their goal yeah. is to be this great rebounding team, tremendous defense, it's like, they're not going to be able to do that. They just do. They, they take their best, best path to victory for the players that they have. Every coach is trying to do that. They actually mm-hmm. do that better than anyone else. I think quite frankly. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, Parker Bjorklund, uh, conference player of the week. I think, I think that came out today. Just, uh, like, I'll be honest, man. He, he destroyed UND's front court. Like, yeah. Sotne, he, he, uh, he has a way of kind of, um, he, he really struggles when things don't go well early in the game for him. And, um, it didn't go well early in this game. And he was, he was out of sorts. He, he was, was a complete non-factor started, played less than 20 minutes. Uh, Mitchell Sucre played well. I, uh, he, he's, he's, he's really coming along. He's becoming very important on offense to be able just to space the floor, read things correctly. He's played a lot of basketball. You know, he's, he's a little bit more even keeled than Sotene. His offense is becoming really important, but he was in foul trouble the whole time. And right. then he was trying to play with fouls and Parker Bjorklund smartly realized he was trying to play a little bit more cautious because he was in foul trouble and that's where the barrage of points came in the second half with, with Mitchell Sucre trying to play in foul trouble. And, um, you know, he, he, Parker realized that Mitchell wasn't necessarily going to block his shot. And so he was just going right at him and, and, uh, you know, it, it just incredibly impressive. Um, you know, St. Thomas, they don't get a ton of like open shots. They're definitely by far the most, the best at making contested shots, you know, and that's not by coincidence. I mean, I'd be willing to bet anything that those players have put more time in the gym than um, a lot of these other players out there. No, no doubt about that. That only happens one way. It only happens one way. So um, they earned it. It's a credit to them. It's coming together. They're becoming extremely hard to beat. They have a really good formula. They're not invincible. There are going to be worse matchups out there for them than NDSU and UND. But right. they, they went to work. They went to work without Andrew Rohde. And I think... One of the things that I really want to point out is, so Kendall Blue really came along. He really came along this weekend, and that wouldn't have happened if Andrew Rohde was, was going to be there. So then the question is, when Andrew Rohde comes back, are they still going to get that level of comfort and just production out of Kendall Blue? I think they will, and that's a very important thing for them to develop, a little bit more depth. So um, I think long-term they're going to be better off for it. I uh, hope, hope uh, Andrew Rohde comes back because he, he's really been fun to watch as well. And um you know, with him out there, that just makes him that much harder to guard. So I just can't say enough good things about him. You know, um, NDSU did not play bad. They, they didn't play bad. They, they, they shot over 50% from the field. And you're right. St. Thomas really kind of controlled that one more so than they did against UND. Yeah. They actually, out, 
Uh, St. Thomas out-rebounded NDSU. Say, and NDSU who starts Andrew Morgan and Grant Nelson got out-rebounded by two by St. Thomas. So mm-hmm. after getting out-rebounded by 16 against UND. So, and, and there, there can be some nuance in there, but I mean, NDSU shot 53%. And St. Thomas kind of controlled the game. You know, obviously a lot of that comes down to turnovers, but um, right. just just a, a whole lot of really interesting stuff in there, I think. Um you know, a lot of little stuff. Grant Nelson, you know, coming off of a career game against Western Illinois, um, takes seven shots the next game or gets, sec- or gets seven shots, however you want to look at it. Scores 15 points in 37 minutes, right? Bjorklund, 19 points. So that's something. That's the Grant Nelson taking seven shots is something. Um, for, like I said, a number of ways you can look at it. So, um, I don't know. I, I just kind of spitball a lot of thoughts out there, but there's just there's just so many things that that are impressive out there. So I just don't want to overlook anything. So so if if we're to pick right now, are they the second best team in the league? Uh, yeah. Oh. I mean, potentially, I, but but I think a lot of it plays out this weekend. I mean, they go on the road to South Dakota and South Dakota State, right? I mean, that's. I was hoping you'd say that, Greg. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I, you Speaking know, of which, king, yeah. <laughs> I'm the king of the segue, Todd. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. just look at it as, hey, we will find out over the next three weeks really kind of how things are shaking out because I, I go back to our last podcast. I think it was our last one where we're going, do we really know anything about the majority of our teams outside of the fact that Oral Roberts is really, really talented and really good? Um, I, I still don't know if we figured anything out. I look at the bottom four teams in the standings. Did you notice that? They all have Dakota in their name. Uh, when's the <laughs> last time that happened? You know what I mean? And, uh, and granted, it's one weekend, and it's a shortened weekend. It's, it's not even two games. But uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I think it's really going to be interesting. St. Thomas is going to have uh, – they're going to get challenged very aggressively in Vermilion in Brookings – uh, by two teams who have much higher aspirations than what their non-conference schedules have shown. Yeah. And so let's see how that shakes out. I, I, um, so in true diplomatic uh, um, um, unwillingness to, to commit to anything form, uh, I say, you know, I'll answer that question on next week's podcast. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I like the key it. with St. Thomas is really the second time you play them. You know what I mean? Like they're, they, they play in a manner that is, is fairly straightforward, but there's just not a lot of teams that do that that well. And so they may, they may catch some teams the first time through the conference. But like we saw last year, I'm curious to see, you know, how they do that second time through. Um, you know, that, that, uh, that, that South Dakota State Oral Roberts game, boys, where do we start here? Where, oh, where, where do we – I mean – Well, Zach, if I were to tell you that Max Asmus is going to shoot six times, score eight points – and uh, Oral Roberts was going to score less than 80. I, I think I'd take those and say South Dakota State has a pretty good chance. I would certainly say they're not going to lose by 39. I mean, I, I think, it, it, well, you're right. It, it wasn't that they just lost by 39. They basically got beat by 20 in each half. So it's yeah. not like there was this big run or they got hot from three. Like, it was just, I mean, South Dakota State got demolished in a way I've never seen that before. You know, and yeah, we're not going to get, nobody's going to be writing their eulogy yet, but I mean, it, it means something. And I think it's more about, you know, does, does this say more about how good Oral Roberts is or how, how uh, maybe flawed South Dakota state is? I think this says more about Oral Roberts. I, I really think the addition of Moamba and Vanover are not just, not just huge additions, but like they're, they're sort of like, culture changers in yeah. like I don't think they ever believed that they were a good defensive team like they believed it and I don't think it was ever that important to them like I'll be honest like we but I I think it is now I honestly yeah. do like like would does Moamba seem like a guy that would allow <laughs> like lackadaisical effort on the defensive end you know you got a 7-5 guy blocking a bunch of shots he actually didn't block that many this weekend but he historically has and Knocking down three is like that. Just gives you a different level of confidence, and you know, obviously, you know, confident teams are dangerous. And 
they just shut down South Dakota State every which way. Now, we'll we'll see if that continues. You know, probably not at this clip, but I mean, they, they also didn't foul. You know, so yeah. and that's something that they've had a problem with historically as well. I mean, Deshane Weaver and Trey Phipps can barely get on the floor, guys. Yeah, like it's just no, it, it, it's you know I, I don't want to get too carried away here, but um, any way you look at it, uh, it was the it was the most uh, eye opening performance of the weekend, easily in my book. And I agree with you. And I will still go back to this. And you know, I'm the boring guy that always goes back to. The experienced backcourt, when you look at McBride and Aesmus, yeah. the fact that Aesmus is so good, he's going, I'm fine. I don't care if I score six or eight. I'm going to get out here and play the right way and get the right guys the right shots. These are, these are their, their guard core is fantastic. And I, and I said this early. I said, listen, don't discount SDSU's guard core. I'll get to SDSU in a little bit. I will go back to Vanover. The presence of Vanover on the defensive end is incredible. The The amount of confidence it allows your perimeters to go get out and defend with is ridiculous. Just his presence. You talked about it, Zach. He didn't have a ton of block shots, but the fact he's there, that is on the mind of every offensive player that they're going to play. And just his presence in the paint, his ability to protect the rim, allows his, his teammates to defend at an extremely aggressive level. And they are. They're, they're playing with a high-energy level defensively. So I will say this. Uh, Oral Roberts, clearly the most uh, impressive single performance of the weekend, even though St. Thomas swept at home. Oral Roberts dominating SDSU like that was something that, that nobody saw. I did not see it. How, what I will say, however, is I think what, what's working in SDSU's favor is the fact that they were able to cancel that next game or postpone that next game. I still believe this SDSU team is capable I still believe they're talented. I still believe that they've got the ability to play at a much higher level than what they showed at ORU. But I just do want to give ORU a ton of credit. The way they came out and dominated that game for for the entirety of a, of, of 40 minutes, that was amazingly impressive. So ORU has a lot to live up to, and they are talented enough and, and uh, seasoned enough to do that night in, night out. Now the challenge is how do you go out and do it? And SDSU, on the other hand, got a chance to, to, to learn a lesson. And it was a, that, those are tough lessons to learn. when you're just absolutely getting your butt kicked. And, and, I mean, they doubled them up on the scoreboard. So it'll be interesting to see. But uh, I'll go back to what you said. The addition of Vanover, hard, hard to ignore that. Might be one of the, you know, when you talk about newcomers of the year to the league, I'll tell you what, Vanover is going to be a tough one to compete against. He may be first team all conference. I mean, absolutely. Like, if yeah. you watch every game, like, the, like if if a team can just sell out on the wings, over pressure, over deny, play overly aggressive because they know if they get beat back door, there's a seven five guy waiting. Yeah, it's it's going to show up in the field goal percentage. It's going to kind of show up in the little things. It's not going to necessarily show up in one one thing, but you're going to be able to watch and be like this team. They, you, you take all the oxygen away from the offense. Like it's incredible. Todd, you really do. Who do you think is the best matchup or who do you think poses the biggest threat to Oral Roberts at this point? Like matchup wise. <sighs> um, probably. I mean, as we get through the season, probably still South Dakota state, just because they, I don't know if anybody really does. If they're on like that, oh, boy. I don't know. I mean, it probably has to be a team with a post player who's good at rebounding but can also knock down threes. You've got to pull Van over out of the pitch. Yeah. you got to get him out of there. doesn't matter. I mean, I love, the, the I love the posts for North Dakota State, but the guard play has been so all over the place. Yeah. Well, not to mention the fact for North Dakota State that that the guard play is young, turnover prone, and you've got Andrew Morgan who is lacking a ton of confidence right now. And uh, this young man needs to be good for North Dakota State to be good. And uh, he can't worry about, oh gosh, if I miss a shot, I'm going to come out. If I miss an assignment, I'm going to come out. He's got to get out and play his tail off. But I will go back to 
what you talked about. I, I don't know. It, the best, the biggest threat to ORU is who offensively can get Van Over away from the rim. Yeah. And yeah. you addressed it, Zach. I mean, it's got to be a big, you're going to knock down threes, or you've got to get him into screen and roll situations where he can't just sit in the paint. Um, they've got to be able to handle it. So, but I will say this: this is the this is the podcast of overreaction. We've played <laughs> two two teams have two conference games. Everybody else has one. Yeah. But we are we're ready for the about, tournament now, Greg. We are. We got to figure it out. <laughs> at the same time, we are acknowledging the fact that St. Thomas swept at home against North Dakota School, and ORU just literally doubled up the defending conference champion who went 21 and 0 last year with you know minus two high impact players, but still an experienced team and literally doubled them up and embarrassed them on their home floor. So that's kind of the talking points uh, to this point of the conference season. Well, and can I go back to a player that Zach brought up earlier? It, it Here's the thing. Do, do I really, who do I think is really the biggest threat to Oral Roberts? It's Oral Roberts. Um, They just, at least historically can't bring that, what they brought, uh, that Monday, every game, the thing that I will say about that, and I think it was the Liberty game that Oral Roberts played a couple games before conference play. Mm-hmm. And I even will go back to just appreciating their schedule. They put a few teams that really beat you up uh, defensively on their schedule. And I still think that was on purpose. Um, and with that Liberty game, Patrick Mwamba, he had double digit rebounds off the bench several steals was just doing making plays all over the place. And I remember sitting there going, if that's the guy that Oral Roberts is going to get, and when he's a transfer, so sometimes it takes those guys a little bit to mesh, especially with the team with as many veterans as Oral Roberts. He's, he's one of those guys that has a little bit of dog in him and Oral Roberts needs a guy like that. I, he's, he's probably the least talked about and most important part of that team. I mean, he's a tone setter, Todd, you, mean- you know, he's almost kind of like a Dennis Rodman in a way, you know, he, it, it, and when I say tone setter, it sounds just like cliche or coach speak or something like that. But it, if anybody's watched Oral Roberts between now and then, and know that the, like one of the biggest additions was him and see, seeing the stark difference in how they're playing, you can't not come to that conclusion that he's a tone setter and it, it was exactly what they needed. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It just, I, again, I watched that second half. They were losing at halftime against Liberty and just the, the switch flipped in the second half and they just have been different since then. So it, it'll be well, interesting to see. Like that's, that's a team that could be real dangerous if they can keep playing like this. Well, yeah. they will be, but I want to go back to his impact there are certain guys who really improve their team because they don't need the ball in their hands to do that. And they don't need to be the focal point on either end of the floor. Uh, they, they just bring it. They, they bring the energy. They bring the toughness. And they're not afraid to hold their teammates accountable. They're not afraid to say, listen, I'm playing my ass off right now. And if yeah. you're not, I'll call you out on it. And that's leadership. You, you don't have to be a flawless player to be a great leader. You don't have to be the leading scorer to be a great leader. You don't have to be the the best at anything, but if nobody can question your effort and if nobody can question your toughness, you are a great leader and you've earned the right to call your teammates out and challenge them to live up to that same energy level. And that's an underrated aspect in the game today. And it's one of those things that, that, uh, uh, it's it's the it contributes to the it factor that the best teams have yeah so you're right bad weekend for the dakotas and that includes uh south dakota kansas city um you know kansas city got them by 13 on the glass and and todd you've been talking about that as like all right is is that gonna are they gonna be okay um they weren't uh, i should say is south dakota gonna be okay rebounding they weren't. Um, no, Cruz Perro Hunt. Have we gotten any update on him? I I think that was illness, if I'm remembering right. I thought it was some. I thought there was a little bit of that, you know, kind of going through the team. But um, yeah. So, so no, Cruz Perro Hunt. Obviously, that didn't help. But 
you know, honestly, it, I don't think that was the difference between winning and losing. I mean, that's all thorough it was for Kansas City. And, um, you know, they've definitely, Kansas City has definitely been taking some strides. Um, they still probably have some strides to go on offense, no, no doubt about it. But if they have this type of defensive performance out there, uh, it, it's, it's a, kind of almost a, a flashback, you know, maybe Coach Donlin never left. You know, <laughs> yeah. It, it, well, it, it doesn't it look be. that different, does it? Not really. Yeah. Well, it doesn't, but it also goes back to the discussion we had previously. It's about matchups, and if, if there's a worse matchup in the league for South Dakota than Kansas yeah. City, I don't know who it might be. Right. That just didn't fit. And then when you take one of your best playmaking ball handlers out of the lineup, that only compounds it. And uh, I just think. I think Kansas City is an awful matchup for USD, especially on Kansas City's home floor. I mean, like we could sit here and go through some of the stats in this game. I honestly don't know how applicable they are. I mean, it's clear that South Dakota is going through a ton of adversity right now, right? We had a situation with with Coach Peterson. We're not 100% sure if he's going to be back this year, quite quite honestly. Um, He is home, just... So he, he yeah, he, yeah, yeah, not in the hospital. Um, and, you know, obviously we'll let him tell a story and all that good stuff. Right. But, you know, clearly, you know, first year coach trying to establish things, not there. Uh, and the, the situation with their teammates and, uh, and all that. And so if a team wanted to make some excuses, if they were in that business, you know, there'd be some situations in – that that are surrounding the South Dakota team that you could actually point to and be like, eh, th- that that would rattle most teams, right? Um, but I just don't see like AJ Plitzewhite and all that he's been through, like settling for giving um, excuses. Uh, Mason Archambault hasn't had a straight line to this place, and you think he's in the business of making excuses, like? Dustless Comateros took a leap of faith, walked on, earned his role, and now he's a starter. Like, these are all guys that have handled a lot of adversity. You know, they've all they've all had a lot of success. They've all handled a lot of adversity. They seem very uniquely suited to be able to navigate this situation. And so I'd expect them to do that. Like, my expectations for this team have not changed. Like, it sounds crazy, and there's really no um, data to back it up. But I, I think they're going to be okay. I expect them to be okay. Like, I would be blown away if they don't get much better. I, I really would. I, I uh, well, I, I, I think it's going to happen. I, I don't know. I, like I said, that, that's just a total leap of faith, total leap of faith. And I could be dead wrong, but, but I just, I'm not ready to, to, to. No, you can't. It's one flipping game. Right. It's one <laughs> game against an extremely athletic, long defensive team. If, if somebody said, all right, talk to me about St. Thomas going to USD. I'd say, you know what? My first my first impression is it's going to be tough for St. Thomas to match up against USD, yep. especially if Perro hunts back. Yep. It's about matchups. I think you look at their experienced backcourt, their guard play, the way Bruns is playing off the bench right now, what he's doing, and we all talked about this, you know, how can you get them all on the floor or, or, or keep ro- rotating? This is still a good team. This is still a really good team. And it's all about matchups. And so I think this will be St. Thomas's biggest challenge to this point. No, not taking any, anything away from UND and NDSU, they just seem to match up okay. And they had some strengths where both North Dakota and North Dakota State didn't. Right now, coming into uh, the USD matchup, I think the biggest thing is, well, Bjorklund's got to outplay Comateros inside because can St. Thomas really outplay USD on the perimeter? It's going to be an interesting matchup, and I think USD is primed, and I think they'll be ready uh, to, to really get after it with St. Thomas. We've got teams with a lot of turnovers, man. That's definitely a theme. Like, Saint, uh, South Dakota turning the ball over a lot, NDSU turning the ball over a lot, UND turning the ball over a lot. Like, it's, it's odd. Like, none of them are, like, overly forced, too. So... I don't know. It, it's it's really interesting how far ahead the defense is in the offense. And so well, it's, you always, it's a cliche at the beginning of the year, but at the same time, it's just like we're past Christmas now. You can't use that excuse. You can't use the non-experience excuse. You can't use the, oh, we haven't found our identity excuse. Like, 
It's time to start cashing in those chips, man. It is. St. Thomas still seldom turns it over. Right. Regardless of who it is, they still seldom turn it over. They typically get a shot off, and they typically can contest most shots. So um, that that's going to be the challenge. And, and I I can't wait for the next few weekends of conference play to watch how different matchups play out because the one thing we haven't talked about is how high we were on Denver, how much we questioned Omaha, and then Denver goes over to Omaha, and Omaha just literally drills them. Right, yeah. And I think this is to the point we can talk about that game as well. I just looked up the Ken Palm projected um, Summit League finishes, and if if we're having trouble putting all this together, even the metrics don't know what to do. They've got Oral Roberts at 15-2, and two, and then only two other teams, St. Thomas and South Dakota State, with winning records. And then the most losses is only 12. And so like, they just have everybody jammed together. Even the predictive me- metrics have no idea what to do with this league right now. Do they really have them at 15 and 2? Because that's only yeah. 17 conferences. Which isn't enough games, but it's, that, it's got that canceled <laughs> game. Yeah, it is. It's got that canceled game in there that they, <laughs> okay. I suppose, isn't, wasn't rescheduled at the point at this point yet. So they, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's so, amazing yeah, that, when you look at that. Those three teams with a winning record in a 10 team league. Yeah. And at the same time, if that plays out, it will not shock me. No, nope. It's, we and, talked, and, yeah, go ahead, Zach. Well, I mean, we talked about how much parity there was going to be in this league, and I think we were right on that. I just hope there's actual good games, you know? Yeah. It looks like there's a lot of kind of bad matchups out there, and I don't know that that's necessarily going to go away. I mean – there's no way we're going to have like repeats of this last weekend every single weekend, right? I mean, it's not going to be a situation a, where the closest. What a weird weekend. Just, yeah. You uh, know, especially with all the home games, just sort of all home teams just sort of running over everybody. And it's just like, well, you know, obviously it's nothing to get too carried away. But I just hope there's like closer games. It just seemed like almost all the games kind of had the same feel where it was just like you could see it coming from a mile away. Just kind of the matchups out there and how the teams were playing and that, you know, again, nothing to get too carried away with. But, you know, but back to Denver and Omaha, I mean, it's turnovers again, right? Like, Denver with 15 turnovers. It's not that complicated. Like, you turn the ball over that much, they shot 52% and still lost. Yeah. We saw several teams, you know, Denver, uh, NDSU, um, feels like I'm missing one, that, that shot right around 50% and lost. Like, you don't really see that. But if you have 15 turnovers and almost all of them come from your backcourt, your margin of error is basically none. Yeah. You, you're going to have to like hit like 10 threes or something like that. And, uh, you know, and, and Denver wasn't able to do that. And, and like you said, Greg, Omaha controlled it. They, they controlled that game. It wasn't like, um, a surprising thing necessarily. Omaha had 21 assists, you know, that, that offense, like, like to me, what, what, when Omaha has 21 assists, you know what that tells me that they trust each other. And that's one of the hardest things to establish if you're a new coach and you're establishing a new system and you're bringing a bunch of new guys together. That's a huge box of checks. That that means something. That means something even big picture to me than just they played well that game. The fact that they trust each other. That's really something that they can build on because there's a lot of teams that don't trust each other. Now I'm not going to start throwing around names, but it's pretty obvious when you're watching some of these teams who trust each other and who doesn't. And Omaha does. Like that's something they can build on. Well, and, huge... and I will say it was a, a two point game with six minutes left. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a, a, a blowout the entire time, but yeah. it just fell apart at the end of the game for Denver. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like UND and St. Thomas's game. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, and, that's... And I get it, but you can stay in control. They make their run and, and, and they've got the energy in them to make one run, but you've done enough to control the game, things along those lines. And I just give Omaha credit. Um, and, and I, I agree, it's similar to UND and St. Thomas, but I will go back to this. There was, a, there was an old coach at Valley City State back when I was still in high school that said, you know what, and, and sorry, you guys can roll your eyes, that's fine, and so can all of our listeners. <laughs> but he said one thing, he, uh, this is, and this came from somebody who played for him and a good friend of mine, where he said, you know what, you know what he told us, he said, if you had to make a great pass, you shouldn't have made it. And that always resonated with me 
And what I always turn it into is don't devalue the easy pass. Just make the simple pass and let things happen. Let, let, let the defense break themselves down because we're moving the ball properly. And I've watched, and I've, I've probably focused on NSU a little bit because of their youth in the backcourt. You know, where you'll watch guys pushing the ball, and then all of a sudden they get down, they'll get seven feet away from the rim, realize defenders are closing in on them, and then they'll leave their feet, turn and look, and then the I hope pass is the worst pass to make. I hope this pass finds a teammate. <laughs> it's just, it, sometimes it's okay to stay on the floor. It's okay to make a ball fake. It's okay to to utilize the understanding that you've got five seconds to deliver this ball once you pick your dribble up and just make the easy pass. When people, it, that is an invaluable, invaluable tool for people who are struggling with turnovers. Make the easy pass. You don't have to count on the fact that, well, this pass is going to result in a basket. This pass is going to result in a score. Maybe the fact that this pass is not going to result in a turnover is a huge win for your team. And we get overly complicated sometimes when we're talking about coaching, when we're talking about observing these teams. For gosh sakes, give your team a chance to get a shot up every time down the floor. I know it's overly simplified, but it's so invaluable because those are the things that will get you beat, especially on the road, especially when you're struggling, especially when you're young. Just make the easy pass, complete the easy pass, and give your give your teammate a chance to make one more pass or an opportunity to make a shot. But just don't turn it over. And I, yeah. guys, I'm sorry, I, I know the coach in me, the old whatever, comes out at times. But for God's sakes, don't turn the thing over. And understand the value. Understand the value of understanding how long five seconds is. You've got time to find an outlet to find a release and not panic in that situation um uh, teams have to learn that and especially teams that have some inexperienced backcourt play but at the same time any team i don't care who it is if you're struggling with turnovers for god's sakes find a way to get that number under control yeah well not only does it it hurt you by not getting a shot up it makes it so much harder to play defense it makes it so much easier for the other team to score. Yeah, and, and maybe it isn't for the first half, but maybe it gets into their legs more in the second half, you know? Like, maybe they start to develop a little fatigue, especially with these two games a week and stuff like that. Like, there, there's compounding an effect and a lot of ancillary effects to just being solid all the time. Like, like I said, St. Thomas is the best example of that. If you ever need convincing of how important it is to be good at the fundamentals of things, like, look, I... I I know we're getting a little sidetracked here, but like it's it's pretty easy to watch St. Thomas run it and be like, okay, if they can do this, other teams have better players and can't do this. Like you have no excuses, right? And so I don't know. It, it's fun to watch it. I, I guess the way that I end uh, end up with is is just uh, giving more credit to St. Thomas and Oral Roberts. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they just uh, there are some teams that have a lot of figuring out to do. There are a lot of teams that have just been begging their players and begging their players and trying to find ways to get the light to come on. And um, it's always a player-driven league, man. You know, I obviously my my viewpoint is a little skewed being a former player, not not a coach. But like, you know, I I know these players aren't being told the wrong thing. You know what I mean? It's not like they're it's not like they're being told the wrong thing. And so it's just like, man, it's up to them. It's up to them whether they want to get it done or not. That's the exciting thing. We have to watch a play out. We have to find out what some of these teams are all made of because they're facing adversity, and there's a lot of different ways they can react. And, and that's where I'll get back to this. And I don't know, maybe maybe one or both or neither of you will agree with this. Dick Bennett had an old uh, old old saying that you know what you can you can coach kids to do, to do things, you can teach kids to, kids to do things, or you can emphasize certain things. And one of the things that Dick Bennett emphasized was value the ball. And it, it really comes down to how you practice. What are you teaching? What are you emphasizing? And, and I know that everybody, including us and including the fans, wants to go and, and evaluate the, the five to nine to 10, 11 guys that, that coaches are playing in the league and say, this is how you should coach them. This is what you should do. But what they're emphasizing, are they emphasizing getting on the glass? Are they emphasizing valuing the ball? 
Are they emphasizing a certain defensive thing? What you emphasize and what you continue to practice is what you're going to do well in games. And and uh, I'm I'm dumber than every coach in the summer league. But what I will tell you is the coaches who get to the point where they say we need to emphasize these three or four things and get really good at them, they're the ones that are going to see their teams improve, gain confidence, and then and then adapt their level of play to their talent of their personnel. And that's if, if there's in, in our time of doing this podcast, I've never seen a more diverse group of teams with different strengths of their personnel. And, you know, whether it's age, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, length, whether it's defensive, whether it's offensive, I've never seen a more diverse and maybe the best term to use to, to, to turn that into is I've never seen a more unpredictable league when it comes to what are this, what, what's this team going to get really good at? And uh, I think that's a challenge right now. And let's be honest, two teams have played two league games. Uh, eight teams have played one league game. I think they all have a lot of a lot of room for growth. We get to watch that play out, right? That's what makes us so interesting. It's not any one game that makes us so interesting. It's every week we get to just stack more information as to like what what really are these teams? What are they really made of? And so we kind of look forward to this upcoming week. And you know, you, a full slate of games on Thursday, and you and Dean NDSU on Friday. Um, and so just to kind of look into that game, you know, it, uh, you have Grant Nelson and Andrew Morgan again, um, Grant Nelson, I think is playing fine. Andrew Morgan is trying to get back on track against a, uh, a wounded, very wounded or whatever you want to call it uh, front court for UND. That seems to be where the battleground is going to be. In my opinion, um, the backcourt is going to be interesting because I don't know that really anybody feels great about either team feels great about their backcourt. Um, but really the front court seems to be the biggest mismatch. I mean, Greg, how do you see that playing out? You know, it's a great question, Zach. And, and I've thought about this because Grant Nelson, you know, when we talk about front court players, yeah, he scores a lot at the rim, but he's so, so much of it is getting the catch on the perimeter and getting to the rim. I mean, when we looked at him, we, when I think a lot of us watched him against Western Illinois. For gosh sakes, the number of catches he got 18 feet from the basket and then finished at the rim were ridiculous. And so that's going to be a challenge for UND. And and so I, I, it'll be interesting to see how it happens. But at the same time, how does UND defeat Andrew Morgan and, and, and Grant Nelson on the interior? That's going to be interesting. I Nelson is playing at, at a really good level right now. My biggest concern is that Andrew Morgan lacks confidence. And the perimeter for NDSU has really struggled. And I think, I mean, I, I don't know what the, what the line's going to be. I don't know if, if there's a line out yet for UND and NDSU. I'm going to have to believe that UND is going to be favored. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Uh, it's hard to factor the rivalry uh, impact into the matchup. Uh, I, I'm guessing it's going to be a fantastic crowd up there on Friday night. And it should be, for goodness sakes. I hope I hope Grand Forks fans get out there and and and, and fill that place up to provide a great atmosphere. But to your point, Zach, um, Grant Nelson is. Uh, I, I think the majority of his action is going to be getting catches 12 to 18 feet from the rim, clearing out the floor, and then spotting up shooters. We'll see how that goes. And then the biggest challenge is for NDSU is. Can, can they go into UND? Because I think Paul Sater coaches his guys to play their tails off and, and to do a good job. But if they can have less than 10 turnovers up at UND, that's the one thing that I think gives NDSU a chance. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I think that's a great um, metric to follow. I, every game I call, I always try to pick out like one key indicator. And I agree. Like if NDSU has less than 10 turnovers, I feel pretty good about their chances. Um, you know, I uh, assuming they don't have like an abysmal shooting performance, which I don't really think that's well. I mean, NSU has some guys that can knock down some shots. You know, maybe they don't do it consistently, but I think that's a great way to look at it. Um, I just don't know what type of rotation UND is going to play. Like, and I guess yeah. you can say the same thing about NDSU. Like, yeah. so so to get too carried yeah. away about oh, I feel I feel strongly about this or that. It's just like I, 
they're searching, you know, I mean, they started tracing Eagle staff and Brady Danielson last game, you know, right. And, and Brady Danielson just kind of forced his way onto the court. Like, I think the coaches kind of looked around and said, we really don't have any choice. Like he's the only guy demanding to play Brady Danielson. That's one guy, you know, tracing. I think I want to see him play more. He played a lot in that first half. And then he kind of, they went to this wonky rotation in the second half where like Brady Danielson was kind of the, the point guard at St. Thomas, I should say. Um, but this is what happens when you don't get consistent effort out of everybody. You end up in these weird situations because you're just, you're searching, man. You're, you're searching, you're trying to get people to step up and play. And, you know, you indeed, NDSU are the best examples of this where there's just like, man, you can only bench and start somebody so many times where it's just like, all right, guys, these are the only guys we have. Like you guys are going to have to step up. We can't be the team that we want to be if we're playing 11 or 12 guys, because we can develop no continuity and no consistency and no confidence in each other, especially on the offensive end, if we're playing that many guys and um, they have to get, they have to pare down the rotation, but they just can't, they just, it, it's the, the players aren't allowing them to do so. And so um, it, it's been, it, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, talk about two teams really looking for something positive to hold on to, you know, um, I expect a tremendous effort really out of both these teams. I think they're both going to play really, really hard. I think that goes without saying. And so that, that, that leads us back I, to I your agree. turnovers, Greg. That leads turns back to your turnovers. Sometimes those games, they get a little emotional and people start throwing around the ball and that undermines everything, right? We, we talked about how many teams shot 50% and lost because they turned over the ball. Can't do it. So you're right. The team that values the ball. I, I'm in agreement with you. Yeah. And that's the I, funny thing is when I watch the St. Thomas game, Brady Danielson played the point for a good portion of that, you know, which I'm sitting there going, this is interesting because part of me goes, okay, this is who they trust not to turn it over. And, and it's going to be interesting, but I'll go back to what you just said, Zach, this rivalry game. I don't care what anybody says. They can say that South Dakota state is North Dakota state's rival now, whatever it might be. If, if people don't think that NDSU and UND are going to play their tails off in this game, they're, they're sadly mistaken. Now, the result of that could be an absolute rock fight, could be an absolute you know, <laughs> brawl, so to speak. Yeah. Or the result could be an absolute fantastic game. I don't know. But I do think, uh, it, it, and, and in a way, it might come at a perfect time for both of these teams to go, I need to know who's in, who's out. Mm-hmm. I need to know, as a coach, I need to know who's in, who's out, who does this matter to, uh, I, I want to know who's going to lay it on the line. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch it all play out. And I will be honest with you guys, true to my form up to this point, I have no idea what to expect Friday night. But what I will, what I can tell you is I can't wait to watch the game Friday night and watch Zach Dosh and Brian Sean on, uh, on Midco and ESPN Plus bring it to us. You know, because the, the added thing is this whole Christmas break. You know, there's, mm-hmm. I think, I, I think these teams are going to handle uh, this Christmas break a lot of different ways. You know, there's some teams that really just need a break and there's yeah. some teams that need a little bit more practice. Greg, tell me, did you have Christmas day practice or Christmas no. night practice? We, no, we, we you did didn't. Not. A guy like we you, didn't. a slave we, driver we, like no. you had no way. <laughs> no, we, <did> <laughs> we valued it and we said no. We'll come back no matter when our next game was. We said we'll practice on the 26th. And I, I, I honestly believe that to be true. Now, Brad Bigler ever listens to this podcast and says, bullcrap, coach, you brought him back this time. No. I, and if he's right, I'll trust him. But I, to, my, to the best of my recollection, no. And I saw your tweet earlier tonight about you know, bringing people back on Christmas night. No. Uh, we, uh, we, we uh, as far as I remember, we only brought them back on the 26th and had to get ready two or three days. And, and, and you know this, Zach, as a former player, my gosh, guys lose their conditioning 10 times faster than they ever gained it. And, so, and, and, well, and that, that's very true. That's very true. I'll just, <laughs> no, no, nothing will get you questioning everything that you know about life than just running a whole bunch of suicides on Christmas night. You know, coaches telling, talking about trying to get the Christmas cookies out of you and stuff like that. It's just like, holy smokes. <laughs> I need to go join the national guard or something like that. Like there's gotta be an easier way to pay for college than running suicides all Christmas Eve or Christmas day. But 
but uh well, no like good memories i guess now that you can think about it but you know it, when you're in the middle of it your head's spinning a little bit but a lot of different ways to handle it you know i mean every team has their buttons that they need to push and this christmas break is a great way to push those buttons you know get, getting on a team giving a team a little break whatever whatever the team needs you know it's on these coaches to figure it out well, Zach, I, Greg I, I, forgot to mention it was 12.03 a.m. on the 26th. Thank you. <laughs> now, that's good, Todd. I give you credit on that. But it, what it's I probably... will tell you honestly is I knew our guys needed a break from me, and I thought that would probably rejuvenate them more than anything. So I tried <laughs> to get maximize that time. <laughs> I mean, Southwest was probably coming over a big win over Mary. So, yeah, you could probably give them a little bit of grace. So they probably – we probably made them look good, and they looked like they were on track after they played against us, I guess. But, but anyway, I mean, yeah, a lot of other. What other games have we got this weekend here? Well, the the South Dakota, South Dakota State, both at home against te- teams that won uh, their their first week, will be interesting. Western Illinois and St. Thomas swapping. I, that that'll tell us a little bit with with two teams that didn't win in their first week and two teams that that won in their first week. Uh, the winning teams going on the road. My guess is there was a couple of Christmas night practices in South Dakota. What do you guys think? <laughs> At least the 1203 version. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, um, get right games, right? Get right games. Throw out the stats. Just just get right. Get wins under any circumstance. Yep. Then yeah. Then you've got Kansas City going on the road to Denver and, and Omaha. Yeah. So Oral Roberts swapping the other way around. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. Watch Oral Roberts on the road. Will they come out with the same energy that they did at home? Uh, Denver, will they look a little so better? You know, it's it's even funny to see. You know, you'll talk good about Denver, and then they lose one game to Omaha, and it's their frauds. And so we aren't the mo- only ones that overreact to to what happens. Oh, we're the best at overreacting. But I, I go back to this. I I I do think. Outside of NDSU at UND, I'm really curious to watch Western and St. Thomas at USD and South Dakota State this weekend. I think those three games really show us, okay, is this truly going to be who plays who on whichever night? It's going to be a crazy, crazy situation because I thought Western Illinois was really impressive against North Dakota State. And to be honest with you, Western Illinois – with their length was very impressive against USD. Now, you know, let, let's let's take those two teams that had some tough, I don't want to say embarrassing, but a tough-to-digest loss on the road. How do they come home and respond against those teams on, on, you know, when they're on the road feeling good about their performance, you know, in the manner in which they played? So I, I it's going to be, those are the two games including the NDSU UND game that I'm I'm most intrigued by this weekend. And then after that, the next weekend after that, and next weekend after that, I'm only going to be intrigued by probably four or five games each and every night uh, because I can't <laughs> wait to watch them play out. But this this thing is just getting started. And I think everybody right now is scratching their head. And my guess is in three weeks, there might be still a ton of head scratching. Well, yeah, think I, I think that, um, this this ahead, late Doc. in the year with really only two teams that we're feeling pretty good about. But yeah. that's not going to stay all year. And I, this will be such a different year than last year. It'll be it'll be fascinating. Yeah. Uh, one thing I, I think I forgot to point out about Denver, Tevin Smith back. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So he played about 15 minutes. Um, yeah, not, not a ton of I, time. But. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to actually watch that game. Um, you know, so I don't want to talk too much about it but the fact that he's in the box score is incredibly important period yeah. like that that's very important going forward um but yeah i mean like like what you guys are saying about this upcoming weekend i mean you know we, we could we could find stats that support any type of viewpoint that we want at this point right like we could really come to some hot hot takes and, and some pretty wild conclusions that would be backed up by stats if we wanted to cherry pick them at this point but i mean i just want to see some some teams deal with adversity a little bit better you know um deal with bad matchups a little bit better. Like who cares? Like nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Like just, we got to, we got to find our way to making through some of these games a little bit better. Um, and we need more competitive games. Like that's like, that's sort of at the heart of all this, you know? Um, so 
I don't know. I mean, you, you, nobody can use this uh, inexperienced uh, bit anymore. I, I they played enough basketball where that's not that big of a factor. I mean, they've been playing hard for a long time here. I mean, that off season or that uh, non conference schedule was a real grind. And but there's a lot of uh, uh, playing time out there for all these players. And so, you know, it, the the teams where the players take ownership of the team will be able to tell that. And I really think that's the key. Greg, as a former coach, can, can you speak to that? Like when, when players take ownership of the team versus when you're constantly trying to lead them around? Zach, you couldn't say it better. And I remember this the last year I was coaching. We had a performance relatively early in the season. We took about 10 clips out of the previous game, put it on, on, on video, showed our guys. We didn't say a word as a coaching staff. And we just said, watch these 10 possessions and watch your effort. Those were the only words out of our mouth. Watch these 10 possessions, watch your effort. We said nothing after that. We walked out of the room, and as a coaching staff, we followed the guys down the hall. I can't repeat what was said, (laughs) but I will tell you what was said was extremely effective. And film never lies. And it goes back to what, what are the two or three things we control every day. We control our attitude. We control our effort. We control our character. And they were embarrassed by their effort. And sometimes all that takes is to show it to them. And uh, that matters. And so this this is prime time for coaching opportunities across the Summit League. I can't watch. I can't wait to watch it all play out. Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect opportunity um, to really see who who winning, who winning, playing winning basketball is really important to, right? We don't have to sit here and guess. They're going to tell us by how they play. And I can't wait. I can't wait to find that out. There's, it, I mean, this is a perfect weekend for that. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, and, and that's kind of, you know, I'm glad when you guys were talking UND, North Dakota State, that you didn't ask me to predict because – <laughs> I, I used to post, and Zach did opening day post his his picks with the spread. Uh, I think we'd all be going broke if we were putting our real money on on some there, elite games right now. Because yeah, there's a new there's a new casino. The, yeah, Zach's casino built with all my money my, that I lost that first week. Yeah, yeah. You know. hey, by the way, Todd, what's your prediction on North Dakota North Dakota State? Uh, you got me. You what's got your prediction me. on who's going to start the game? What's your prediction on who's actually going to start the game? Yeah, I don't even have the answer to that, especially in the backcourt with one team and the entire five for the other team. It, yeah, it's it's uh this is not easy times. I, that is just one of those games though that boy do both teams need it. So it'll be it'll be great to watch. It will be. But this this is just an evolution of a team, you know. I mean, we're not like belittling them by any means. No. You know what I mean? It's just this is really hard and you're, we're doing this all on the fly and they're doing this all on the fly. And it's really interesting. Like, like that's why, that's why I can't wait to call that game. It is really, really interesting how these players handle these situations. Hey guys, I will tell you this as a former college coach and, and you can mock me all you want. Winning a single game is really flipping hard and winning any game and trying to overcome your team's deficiencies is even more difficult. I, I'm just telling you, college athletics are awesome. It's the best reality TV that there <laughs> is out there. We've witnessed this with, what, every Vikings win this year. Reality TV is, is – sports is the best reality TV. And you know what? I have a feeling we're going to be able to watch a great one on Friday night. Zach, I, go, I hope you get to call a great one. Because I know I know both Todd and I will be watching, and a, a ton of fans will be out there watching. And I also look forward to a ton of a, all the other matchups in the Summer League this weekend. It's going to be an absolute, absolute riot. I, I can't wait to watch it all play out. Well, and clearly the name of today's podcast needs to be uh, College Sports is the Best Reality TV. So, yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> see, you save me some time there, Greg. I don't have to come up with something else. <laughs> All right. Well, I, you know, I think that even with a shortened week, we can find a way to 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 fill an hour. 
and uh, we'll know a whole lot more in a week. And I, so I think this kind of wraps up today's episode and I will talk to you guys next week. Happy new year, everybody. Yeah. Happy new year, new year, everybody. Thank you.